Uh, actually, I spoke in Los Angeles once. I had all the principals in Los Angeles, and I I imported 500 sachets of Vegemite. Amazing. 500 what? Little sachets. <laughs> Is it like a silk purse? <laughs> you can carry your doubloons in there. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I'm enjoying my last visit to the, the Out of Dudes podcast. So I, I, I had this receptacle, this, 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 this receptacle that held the substance formerly known as Vegemite, and I, and I gave that to the, uh, to the audience. You heard that right. It's the Beata Dudes, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the show all around the world. And I do mean all around the world because I think this is going to be the most international show we ever have. This is the Beata Dudes, a show for Christian men seeking to grow in their walk with the Lord and do it through this unique blend of humor and holiness. And really, when it comes right down to it, authentic fraternity. That's what we got going on at this tiny table. Mm. My name is Jeff Shufflebine. I love that name. I, <laughs> I, was, just, I was just agreeing with you. Mm. I, just, I thought we were all enjoying it. Like, no, no, I went, <laughs> it was mm. like a savory. <laughs> mm, yes. Goes down smooth. Jeff Chef. There Jeff we go. Chef. Yeah. Kiss the Shufflebine if you're my wife. And then I'm joined on my left by Paul Colker. Well, how to do? All right, Coco. Yeah. That's me at every one of your shows. I know him. <laughs> it's like, yeah, everybody knows you know me. Be quiet. <laughs> but you know everybody. So it's also you just remarking on like, hey, I have another friend who's here. I'm actually saying that to everybody. I know him. Yeah. I know him. <laughs> you just list off. <laughs> hey, I know you. Hey, I know you. Jeff is the mayor of this uh, Vatican Valley here. My, my wife makes fun of me because then people walk by me and they'll go, that guy has no idea who I am. <laughs> <laughs> also true. True. And then to uh, to his left left is Nick Besner. Good day, mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. It's getting better. It's getting a little better. Oh, my goodness. And if you didn't hear that voice, or if you did, that was not an accent put on by somebody. It was just a natural accent because we've our first ever international flew here from Australia for the show and for some other stuff that's happening. But mostly for the show. Yeah, <laughs> mostly. That's, that's, that's what we're claiming. Yeah. Something else is paying the bills, but the show is paying the love forward. Mm. Welcome to the show, Jonathan the Doyle. Well, thank you, everybody. I can definitely feel the love. And it is true. This is quite a tiny table, but, <laughs> but I just is a magnificent table. Does it make you feel bigger? It, it does, and I'll take that because <laughs> when the good Lord was handing out gifts, uh, I'm still waiting for a growth spurt, so anything's possible. But uh, no, it's a good table. It's a good table. It's a good company. Ready to go. Who is a good example that is not Crocodile Dundee of an Australian, like total, like man's man, like the A-team, toughest Australian? Who is it? Look, who do you want to go over the top of a trench with? I guess is a, is a Hugh Jackman. I'd, I'd go with Hugh Jackman. It's a good choice. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's and he's a really interesting guy. He's huge in uh, in the adoption space. Oh, really? no kidding! Yeah, yeah, he's really huge in. The, he and his wife did this amazing work with adoption. So, you could go over the trench, and he could help you with adoption. So, I'm sticking with Hugh. Wow. Over the trench, help you with adoption. He was the wolf man, right? What do yeah, you call the guy? Wolverine. Wolverine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was <laughs> not. <laughs> he was not Michael J. Fox in the '80s playing Teen Wolf. The Wolf Man, <laughs> Mr. Jackman. I just like to apologize at this point. I just nothing. You know, hey, the rest of us were. It was it was Jeff, they Mr. Made me Jackman. Say it. He is the male lead in Les Mis, right? He is. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yes. Jean Valjean. Yeah. You got that right. I got Wolf Man. <laughs> you know, with the claws. <laughs> I was thinking about like this adoption 
uh, love that he must have is like a wolf pack. Like that must be some. Mm. See how I brought it back together. That now you like, all feel bad. Decent adjustment Thank that you, you did on the fly. That's there. what I thought about when I was sitting <laughs> For there. For you, in upper, my... upper 90th percentile. Yeah. <laughs> that was good. Yeah, better than most of your transitions. Jonathan's been visiting up here at the studio for the better part of the day. I got to have a nice lunch with him. I think the two of you might have been working. And uh, Jonathan and I sat by the golf course thinking and talking. So Pondering. <laughs> it was some pondering. I appreciate your hard work, Jeff. You're welcome. And uh, doing my part, and uh, I had this awesome moment that I want to recount for everybody. I go, Jonathan, let me just take you through the neighborhood. Love for you to meet my wife. You know, she books speakers uh, that can come through town. Jonathan has a whole mission that we'll talk about with speaking. And we're driving, and I wave to my neighbor, and he's kind of a huge jacked man, if I'm trying to play <laughs> off these words. <laughs> was a big well, man, right? well played. <laughs> and I wave to him. And then as he's walking, it dawns on me, my neighbor guy is from Australia. He's been in the States for 10 years. And I slam on the brakes and I go, he's Australian. He's Australian. So I start honking the horn. I mean, he's just walking. It's not like I can't catch him. <laughs> I throw it in reverse. The window's down. I come up and I'm like, you're both Australian. And I felt like I did something. That was the whole story, right? <laughs> <laughs> they had a good talk, didn't you? We had a great talk. Yeah, we did. He's a good guy. They got oh. into the games, the matches lately, mm -hmm. and I was thinking of all the matches that must mm -hmm. be going on, and I couldn't come up with what it was. It was, it's the Rugby World Cup right uh, now. I'm, I'm guys amazed that. that nobody knows about this. It's a great sporting spectacle in which my nation is triumphing, triumphing over the forces of darkness. Oh, so against <laughs> New Zealand? We don't say that word. <laughs> oh, no. In fact, I just, can I just get some help here? Cause more doors over my, there. The contract said we wouldn't mention that word. I am so fine. sorry. So, okay. I, And that also includes the word kiwi. I have we to don't next. say that. They are just referred to as the darkness. The darkness. The okay. Darkness. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. That's really good to know. Yeah, Thank yeah. you. Sorry I missed that part of the contract. Oh, no, that's fine. <laughs> All right. We'll move on. We so, apologize yeah. in our true American way, which is let's keep going. Yeah. Next step forward. <laughs> That's right. Okay, so uh, we were introduced to you through um, mutual friends, people that are very involved in just kind of the Catholic speaking and thought leadership space, some friends of mine up in Montana. I got to know your, your wonderful wife, and she was telling me about this thriving apostolate that you guys were running. I want to kind of dive into that and your family. And then she said there was this thing that hit Australia called COVID that yeah. really kind of messed it up. Yeah. Yeah, we had it here too. Yeah, I think it's, it seemed to travel. It seemed to sort of show up in the most unlikely places, like everywhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we had a pretty interesting experience back uh, down under. We really did. Yeah. Well, yeah. tell us, um, for the folks at home, uh, Jonathan Doyle, tell us about your, your, well, tell us about your life. What is your life in Australia, wife, kids, and then also the mission that you're on? Yeah. So, married 23 years now to Karen and uh, just in a great phase. I think we've been through. A really challenging season with COVID and particularly impacted uh, business and ministry because we're sort of global focus and and so real rebuilding phase and it was a very tough season and uh, you know we're now in a place where we are I guess getting back on the horse and having some great opportunities to speak and travel again but so you're married to Karen, uh, three kids. I We couldn't have kids for about six years um, but even before that the best part of the story was Karen actually refused to go out with me for three years. <laughs> so, so three years and people are like, how's that possible? You look like George Clooney. I say, I know, stop it. But um, <laughs> people are like, you know, how, how is it that you, she wouldn't go out with you? I said, well, I was in prison. No, but when I got out, no, I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't in prison. I wasn't. But you are wearing uh, all black. I am wearing all black. <laughs> and, and so, you know, we got a great story. We got a great backstory in terms of our, you know, our marriage and our friendship. And then we couldn't have kids for six years. We kind of thought we were doing everything right. But uh, it was back in World Youth Day in 2008. 
and we were speaking there and we had a great relationship with the Sisters of Life and we were asking them, or Karen asked them to pray for us to have children and then we ended up having three in less than three years. Wow. So we had to ask the sisters to stop. <laughs> sisters so, of life yeah. bringing it. <laughs> we're just like, sisters, please, we've got to catch our breath here. Just give us a moment. Uh, Pump so, the brakes. Yeah, so we had three under three. They're now a little bit older. They're 16, sort of 14, 12. And, uh, you know, it's a busy season uh, with these with these kids. And we, uh, we've we been homeschooling one of them. I think we're heading, you know, the schools in our country, unfortunately, are not uh, really kicking too many goals. I don't know if you say that saying here, Nick. You have kicking that too many I goals. I understand the concept, yeah. okay. but I don't think I've ever like said it. Right. Doing, doing well? Doing well, yeah. 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 And so, look, we uh, I, I had a, a background in education originally, and then we both, I'd done some post-grad straight off, you know, in, in leadership and management, and then it was... We moved to the far remote north of Australia we just after we were married to get away from our families. No, because we felt the Lord call us. <laughs> and, um, and, uh, we love our families, especially if they ever see this. And, uh, and so we, uh, we ended up in this remote, tropical, snake-infested part of Australia looking after a boarding school. And, and we sort of lived with these young people and looked after them. And that gave us a real insight into some of the challenges that they were facing. And... We decided to do some more studies, so we went to the John Paul II Pontifical Institute and did an incredibly demanding master's program in philosophical anthropology and built a business from there. And long story short, we did a huge amount of speaking, up to sort of 40,000, 50,000 young people a year. I think I've done now about 500,000 people in live events myself. And then we built the media business on the side, which provides uh, classroom content schools around the world, teacher formation, all that sort of stuff. So that's sort of the story. That's sort of what we've been doing. What's the name of this company so that if people are listening, yeah, so that, that click over there the afterwards. Me, the media company is Choices Media with a Z. So it's C-H-O-I-C-E-Z-Z-Z. <laughs> Z. See, no, I, I always Z. thought we should have adopted the Z. Z. I like it better, I like but Z. I didn't see it coming when he said it. <laughs> <laughs> it got me. Oh, it's like that band you have over here, ZZ Top. Remember them? Yeah. 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 It's like them. And so, uh, and people like choices with a Z. I'm like, and they go, was that like some cool thing you wanted to do? I said, no, when we went to register the domain, the other one was taken. So that's all that was left. And that just, that grew. And then we, you know, we built, uh, especially with the issues now that schools are facing around the various ideologies that are pushing themselves into schools. A lot of Christian and Catholic schools are struggling to manage that. So we sort of have been in that space and resourcing schools and parents and teachers for a long time. So that's kind of what we do. Wow. And so like you go into a place, I know uh, on this trip, you're scheduled to be in Oklahoma uh, coming up in a few days. When you're there, are you strictly talking with the high school kids? Is it a different mixed group? Is it many different groups? Tell me more about like the go to market when people yeah. actually have you here. Yeah. So I don't tend to do a lot of students anymore. I love to do it. Uh, you know, I was in, I spoke in uh, Albuquerque. Is that a, that's how you say it, right? You, you nailed, nailed it. it. Thank you so much. Um, <laughs> hey, so, you kicked the ball in the goal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, mate. No, no, mate. I didn't. I drilled it. Um, you drilled it. So in New Mexico, I was there to speak to staff, and one of these staff said to me, oh, we've got the students. They'd love to hear from you too. With no warning, I walk into this gym, and there's like 400 <laughs> students there. Okay. And uh, so I used to love that. That was, um, do you say, that was my bread and butter. That's, that's yeah. what yeah. I cut my teeth on. Uh, yeah. So uh, That was your that. Vegemite. Just, whew, just, I'm, I'm <laughs> that was your now. Vegemite. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. <laughs> Some your, your bread, and, your bread and Vegemite, <laughs> bread and Vegemite. They do that. I know we do that. Yeah. Do. <laughs> uh, actually, I spoke in Los Angeles once. I had all the principals in Los Angeles, and I 
I imported 500 sachets of Vegemite. Amazing. And we did this what? little sachets. <laughs> Is it like a silk purse? <laughs> you can carry your doubloons in there. Ladies <laughs> and gentlemen, I'm enjoying my last visit to the Seattle <laughs> Dudes podcast. So, so I, 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 I had this receptacle, <laughs> this, 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 this receptacle that held the substance formerly known as Vegemite, and I and I gave that to the uh, to the audience. Yeah. Which wow, is, um, that's awesome. Yeah. I've read your stuff. I've watched your stuff. You have a lot to give, and we're totally hijacking you. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're so sorry. <laughs> well, yeah, partially. Anyways, it's, a, it's a unique thing, this Australian accent. I don't even hear it. I just think I sound like me. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> People keep saying I'm British. Like I, no, like I keep explaining they sent us away from Britain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it was a penal colony, right? Originally? Yeah, it was a jail. And that's actually that's had a real founding impact in the country too. It's, um, and one of the things I often notice about here, I know we, we're maybe going to talk about this later, but the the founding DNA of a nation is a very very real thing. So the um, embedded in our national history, and I, I don't want to seem like I'm running my own country down, but there is a lot of cynicism, a lot of suspicion of organised religion that was embedded very much in the founding narrative of mm. our nation. That is still something that you know we've had to work against pretty significantly. You don't think about that, that like the history of your culture, essentially, just how much that affects you going all the way back. Like everybody likes to think, oh, well, other things have happened since then. So therefore, right. we should have overcome all of that previous stuff. But some of those threads just keep running right through. Yeah, it's like a family, right? Like you can have experiences as a child that will impact you for the rest of your life, for better or worse. You look at ancient Rome. I mean, the, the founding mythology of ancient Rome was significant. And great civilizations have great founding narratives. And if you... You know, that's why I like coming here because I still think there's a there's an energy and an exceptionalism and a positivity that uh, is very noticeable. It really is from an wow. outsider. That's yeah. yeah, that's really interesting to hear because I mean sometimes we jokingly say that about ourselves, right? Like, oh, you as I mean, like, or, or we really believe it, but uh, but no, but it's just interesting to see from from the outside that 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 kind of optimism shines through. Really striking, and I just said to Jeff before that you got to fight for it, and I think you're in a, a particularly important moment in the American story. And I think it, it really needs to be fought for that, uh, that optimism, that possibility. Uh, but you know, it's about founding principles. I think if, if people, if any civilization moves too far from its founding, uh, its founding narrative, its reason for existence, you see for civilizations to flourish, you actually have to believe that it is worth defending. Mm -hmm. So my, one of my favorite philosophers, Roger Scruton, uh, if you, if you asked any of my kids, if you walked into my house and said, Hey, tell me what's a conservative. Now, I, I don't want to load the podcast any particular political affiliation, but Scruton beautifully said, a conservative is simply somebody who believes there are some things worth conserving. Mm. So wherever people are on a political spectrum, that's not my point. Sure. It's that, uh, that you have to believe that there is something worth conserving. You know, that, that not everything is about endless, relentless progress. And so I think you, you can look into the American story and see a lot of great things that are worth preserving and, and fighting for while you still have time. Yeah, wow. Well, speaking of American optimism, I want to get to this cultural anthropology and learn more about that, but I'm feeling pretty optimistic that I could probably get some points on the board. We want to invite uh -oh. you to judge us in uh -oh. a little game. I called, feel ready. It's called Blessed Are the Joke Makers. Okay. For they shall inherit the points. All right. And this one's going to be, what's a what's a national number in Australia? You got one of those? A national number? Is there like a fav, you know famous number, favorite number? No. Like a, 
a year maybe like the last two oh, like nice. this yeah. isn't this is not a thing okay <laughs> i don't have not yeah. heard of such i don't a know thing. that america has that either well just, 76 right yeah. like we could you oh that's yeah. a good example a- yeah. asian cultures do number eight is very significant for asian what cultures. shirt what shirt jer- what jersey number would you have if you were playing in the Ooh. league right now what would you be yeah. your number? Well, you don't get to choose. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> no. Well, who is your it's favorite? It's this penal pl- colony background. There's no choices. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like, All right, we're just going to go take with 76. Take your and be happy for America. Welcome to America. Yeah. 76 points. 76 points. All right, Paul? so the way this is going to work is we've got a character card and a Catholic card game card, and so we have to answer the Catholic card game card as this persona. So, um, and then you get to judge who you think. Who did it best. Who did it best, yeah. Well, and it... It, this it, is called Australian Idol. Yeah, there you go. That's <laughs> who, it. Yeah. Who, out of the three of you, who is the most like emotionally, psychologically damaged in general? Because I want to hurt that person's me. feelings. Oh, okay, me. all right. Well, <laughs> I just don't want to. I mean, I, I can't even look up right wanna, now. I don't want to upset anyone. That's all. Jeff, professional comedian, bulletproof, needs lots of love. Okay. That's the three of us <laughs> I just described. If you weren't watching YouTube, good luck figuring that out. Really, really <laughs> brave of you to fall on that grenade, Jeff. Yeah, that was yeah. That, that was, was hard. Brave, bold. All right, so. The, uh, the character that we have to be is an overachieving soccer mom. Ooh, look out. And the prompt that we all have to answer is blank, the hit Catholic musical. Chick-fil-A for 20, balls for many. The hit Catholic musical. <laughs> <laughs> Le Miserable Mom, starring Mom Val Mom, the hit Catholic musical. <laughs> the host shaped PB and J's, and already peeled orange slices, the hit Catholic musical. <laughs> oh, host like the Eucharist. Yes. <laughs> okay, I was like, well, who is the host? I thought uh, it was like a, a person. Sajak, host shaped. <laughs> uh, no, I yeah, still, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, with yeah. you. All right, this uh, there's. Sometimes people give points for going first, so just think about that. But the 76 <laughs> points that you're going to be giving. Sometimes. <laughs> what, what say ye on the points here today? Do I uh, uh, allot an apportionment of points, or is it just a straight-up 76? It. Yep. Yeah, it's just noticed. a winner, yeah. take Look, all. I, I just think, I mean, it's hard because Jeff invited me here, and I feel like um, it would be a bad mm. guest for me. Mm. And You may notice Jeff nodding at this point. Um, but I did like Paul's fusion of the kind of Hugh Jackman... Les Miserables thing. I just, you know, it's like a text mix. It's a fusion thing. I just, I would go with Paul on this oh, one. Oh, Paul. Paul. 76 <laughs> points. Yeah, buddy. All right. How does that feel, buddy? Pretty good. Pretty good. You're American. America. Hey, uh, incredible. Great competition. It, I feel like uh, we're dusting the rust off. So, uh, Jonathan, for being our celebrity guest judge today on Blessed are the Joke Makers, you get a pair of socks. Your socks are actually the Sacred Heart of Jesus brought to you by Socreligious. You can wear those at your talks or even on that 17-hour flight you have back home, whatever uh, makes you most comfortable. And for the rest of you, you can check out your own socks, sockreligious.com slash dudes, and we will be right back. Hi, it's Paul Kolker from the Beatitudes here, and I just wanted to share with you guys that I also, outside of the show, perform improv comedy on a regular basis with a group called Divine Comedy. So what we do is we come up with everything on the spot, so whether you're looking for faith-filled, fun, family-friendly comedy for your youth night, or whether you're looking for clean comedy for your corporate event, Divine Comedy can perform for your group and even get you in on the action. So if you'd like to hire us to come out and perform for your next event, 
check out divinecomedyimprov.com. Divine Comedy, an inferno of fun. Hey, y'all, this is Jeff Shufflebine. When Nick and I set out to start our new company, Undivided Life, we were really concerned about how would we cover the healthcare needs of our growing families, and we were so excited to find a company that fit both our medical needs and our faith beliefs perfectly. It's called Solidarity HealthShare. It is an ethical alternative to traditional health insurance. We're never part of sharing in the medical costs of anything that goes against the teachings of the Catholic Church, making it a great alternative for Catholics and Christians alike. Solidarity is very affordable, which is perfect for a large family or for a new and growing business like the one we've started. So visit joinsolidarity.com today so that you can get started with us. The team at Aquinas Wealth Advisors believes that good values and good returns are not mutually exclusive. Using a tech-smart and morally sound approach, they provide investment alternatives that align with Catholic teachings without sacrificing returns. These days, faith-driven investors are finding it hard to know where their money is going. They have no visibility into what their dollars are supporting, but there's a better way. Thanks to the faith and finance score from Aquinas Wealth Advisors, you can look into your current holdings to see what you're supporting and make a switch to an advisor that aligns with your values and gives power to your voice. Check out AquinasWealth.com today. Welcome back, everybody. We are here with Jonathan Doyle, my favorite Australian, probably the only one I know, (laughs) but that's all right. Uh, I want to get more into what you're working on. You mentioned classroom and formation and those sorts of things for teachers and other, but like, what's your number one priority, like in your business, in your work right now? Look, I I think for me, the philosophy of culture, Jeff and I were talking about this before. So I am convinced that you do not solve the challenges that we face in the education and cultural spaces without having a very deep understanding of where they come from. So the way I explain that to audiences is I would say that the French Revolution was not the cause of the French Revolution, mm. which sounds like a redundancy, but you know the, the French Revolution had antecedents that went back hundreds of years, okay, economic, political, religious, social. And so many of the issues that we're seeing in our culture at the moment over the last few hundred years, and particularly peaking at the moment, uh, have a very long history. And so I've been reading very deeply on those issues. And if I had a superpower, it's the ability to take a lot of, uh, I guess, philosophical academic complexity and make it as accessible as possible for people. So I think we're heading into some pretty uncharted territories. I would say that, uh, you know, George Vogel's talked about this. I don't know if he really came up with this idea or not, but the three crisis model, which is that the church, the Christian church has faced three great crises in her history. So the first crisis was, and each of these crises can be framed in a question. So the first great crisis was, what is the nature of God? So if you go back to the early church, you find it was, a, it was the preeminent question because the Gnostic heresies were coming out of the Near East. They were mixing with Neoplatonism. This is not a philosophy show. But, um, <laughs> I love it. But this was uh, really infecting the early church. And it was, it's, it's the case that if you could often go to a first century church and 
you could often not tell if it was Gnostic or genuinely Christian. So it was a quite a close run thing. So right at the birth of the Christian, uh, of a Christian, you know, history was this confusion about the nature of God. And the other reason it matters is if you were on your way to the Colosseum to be torn apart by a bear, you would want to know that you were standing on firm ground, right? Mm. So there were, you know, there were all these questions like, you know, did Jesus have a physical body? Was he just a spirit? So you go through to the Council of Nicaea 325 where you finally get this resolution, right? And then you get the second great crisis, which was 31st of October 1517, which is when Luther nails the 95 Theses to the door of All Saints mm. Church in Wittenberg. Second crisis, not what is the nature of God, but what is the nature of the church? So you get the Reformation, you get the Counter-Reformation. And so... Both of those crises are always still being con you know, contested, but they were resolved significantly in those time frames. We are now in the midst of the third great crisis, which is not what is the nature of God, not what is the nature of the church, but what is the nature of the human person. Mm. So all of the issues that you see, and I say to people when I'm teaching this, I, have, I say to them, look, pick any single political, social, military uh, issue, economics, and no matter where you stand on it, if you eventually take back the layers, you find these are questions about what it means to be human. You know, I say to people like, you know, should we use cluster bombs on civilians? Well, we don't have arguments about using cluster bombs on trees. We have arguments about using cluster bombs on humans. So all of these different questions, especially in the ideologies that are coming into schools, ultimately you, you, there's sort of a, a, an idea that you cannot say what a person should do until you can accurately say what a person is. And this is John Paul II's concept of adequate anthropology, right? So mm. you want to you wanna have a correct anthropology of what a human person is. Because without that, um, there's a great line in Gaudium at phase 36 where it says, without the creator, the creature becomes unintelligible. Mm. So once you remove... So, so many of these great currents and ideas and shared belief systems are now, you know, really being sort of undermined in significant ways and and this is pretty much uncharted territory and i finished by saying you know churchill said in 42 he said that this is not the end this is not the beginning of the end but it is the end of the beginning and i think what we're seeing in this third crisis is where you would go back as far as say rene descartes with you know i think therefore i am then you'd look at rousseau and then french revolution you would look at the sexual revolution in terms of the the questions around human sexuality and identity and now we're just coming into another spin of that revolutionary wheel. And so stay tuned. And that's what I'm working on. And that's what I think, I think without those sorts of levels of understanding, people just look at phenomena and get very agitated about the phenomena, but having a deeper historical lens and it can be really useful. That's the middle school talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, if you want to get like four years worth of seminary and you know, a few minutes, just go back, skip back 30 seconds or whatever, a couple minutes. Play it at half speed. Listen again. Get all of that. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. And uh, and go ahead. I was, that just gives me great hope that there are people that like you out there yeah. thinking about these things and doing this in the world. So thank you. It's almost as complex as fantasy football, but not quite. Because <laughs> uh, I've been trying to understand your fantasy football, and I go, no, I'll take Trinitarian anthropology anytime. So yeah, it's uh, everyone's got different gifts. I'm a big believer in uh, you know, and I think John Maxwell used to say that. Each of us has like a kind of central vocational charism, but it will emerge in different seasons of our life in different ways. So I spent a decade speaking to young people and then it moved into working with adults and educators and teachers. And now it's kind of senior leaders helping them to 
understand these kind of frameworks. How do you find the receptivity of this message when you're going in and yeah. really working with the adults in a school system or in a, a yeah. parish? Yeah, so the place we're in Australia, so Australia is actually, Australia and parts of the US have basically gone screaming off a cliff with some of the more ideological aspects of what's happening in schools. Europe has had a good, strong drink of the Kool-Aid and is now backing up real fast. So if you look at the, some of the data coming out of the UK of all places and parts of Europe, they're having a look at where these things go and actually beginning to to, to back off. Uh, receptivity, so what you do is you go very gently. So you don't go charging into a room going, we're going to talk about this ideology or that ideology because people are loaded, people have their perspectives, they carry their wounds, they have family members. So you build what's you build the adequate anthropology. So what I do, what I, what I did recently with a very senior group of leaders uh, and in my country, you know, it is it is a lot more progressive, really. Um, you know, our education system, and so you're going in there, and it's it's quite a loaded space. Is I, I do a sequence where I I show them the gas ovens at Auschwitz, and then I contrast it. And we talk about that for a minute, and I show them some some photographs, and then I show them. So I tell them the story of Mother Teresa, and I show them some photos of Mother Teresa. And we talk about that, and we ask the question, you know, what's the difference between putting six million people up a smokestack? as opposed to her loving one complete stranger at the point of death. Because in this story, I tell the story of the first time she ever worked with somebody. And she wrote in her journals this beautiful line, the first person she ever worked with, she said, I held their hands and I looked into their eyes and I smiled as they died. Because the last thing I wanted this person to see on this planet was a face of love. So I asked the audience, I said, how do, you, how do you account for the difference, right? How do, you, how do you account for six million people being murdered so horrifically and one person being loved by a complete stranger? And it literally comes down to the anthropology. It comes down to that Mother Teresa was seeing something in the person that the Nazis that, that obviously at that time weren't. So if you get the anthropology wrong, you know, history is just the, the bloodstained pages of getting that wrong. So receptivity has everything to do with building these kind of frameworks and stories so that reasonable people can begin to see, uh, and, and you know, uh, both Augustine and again C.S. Lewis kind of talked about that, you know, the truth's like a lion. You just let it off the leash, it'll defend itself just fine. So as long as I know that I've done the work, the research, the prayer, and, um, and then I make it God's problem. My job is just to deliver and to execute on the skill set that I have and not worry too much about the rest. You, yeah, wow. <laughs> I'm just excited. <laughs> Lots of soak in there. Um, we just I'm, need Hugh Jackman now. We just go straight over the top of that train. I just popped yeah. a button on my shirt. Yeah. Whenever he, he's like flexing <clears throat> through your talk. Well, you are the Wolverine of the adequate anthropology is what, <laughs> is what we figured wolf, out. Wolf man. <laughs> the wolf man. <laughs> no, actually, okay, so I'm curious because not that I've gone anywhere near into the depth that you have, but I remember some of the cultural stuff that I – learned along the way. I was actually in seminary for a few years and one of the people we studied was Christopher Dawkins. Mm -hmm. Have you studied his work? Because he talked about like golden ages and kind yeah. of the ebbs and flow of yeah. history. Yeah, and I, I said to Jeff today, the other ones that have had a really big impact on me are a guy called Philip Reef, who's kind of writing in that similar kind of space and I'll, I'll just try and do this really quickly. Um, but he argues for this idea of first, second and third world cultures, which is first world cultures predate antiquity so before the greeks and romans they were focused on fate so that you as you lived your life you kind of thought there was this force operating in the cosmos and there wasn't much you could do about it so in a world like that your moral and ethical framework doesn't matter so much right because it's fate you can't you, you even have free will so then human civilization moves into second world cultures which is they begin to posit 
the idea of gods and goddesses, right? So the Greeks start to give us Zeus and, and the pantheon of, um, give us the pantheon. And then if you look at Homer's Iliad, like the Siege of Troy, you actually see the Greek culture moving from first into second because there's still elements of fate, but the gods are all present, right? Christianity is a second world culture as well, but it moved beyond antiquity and had a personal God of revelation and you had the Decalogue and you had the New Testament, do unto others, right? So you begin to get this moral and ethical framework. What unites first and second world cultures is that the reference point is external, right? How you live your life has a lot to do with your sense of this external guiding force. So according to Reef, um, we're now heading into third world culture, which is cultures that reject notions of external um, moral guidance and all ethical moral frames are within the self. So no external authority. No external authority. And what you get is Charles Taylor talks about expressive individualism. It's this idea that your job is to look inside yourself and discover your truth and express that out into the world. And you can see how that shows up in various ideologies at the moment. And so... The point that I make from Carl Truman's book, which is The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self, which is a great favourite of mine, he just makes the point that there is no evidence in human history of a third world culture surviving. So that's what I'm trying to say to people is that have you know pursue these crazy ideas of freedom if you want, but just understand that you're either pioneering some incredible new model of human you know, flourishing that has never worked before, or maybe this is why this idea of conserving things worth conserving is that we, we actually... And I think underneath it all is this idea that we, I said to Jeff, we are in Latin what we call capax day, which is the capacity for God. So mm. I argue at the ontological level, the level of being, that we are the kind of thing that will worship. And so last thing I'd say was just there's a, a philosopher called Paul Kingsnorth has this very important line where he just says, there is a throne at the center of the cosmos. And whatever you put on that throne, you will worship it and call it God. And so I said to an audience in St. Louis the other day, I said, I never thought <laughs> that I'd use this quote, but it's above my pay grade. I don't want to be on the throne. Like I genuinely don't. I have enough trouble getting through the day with my kids. So <laughs> I want the right thing on the throne. And I think cultures that flourish put the right things on the throne. So mm. that's what keeps me awake at night. I feel like we need way more scotch and cigars for oh, the, yeah. the depth that we're going yeah. to here. This is incredible. We're just going to bring him back where this is going to be every every season. Jonathan's going to make his Australian appearance. <laughs> pilgrimage. Is, yeah. <laughs> the Beatitudes is known pilgr for pilgrimage. Well, you know, <laughs> Jeff, Jeff has a secret supply of bourbon hidden in his house, you know. That's actually true. true. I showed him this. My yeah. neighbors, the other day, three more bottles showed up. My yeah. neighbors what? just, I, I made a community house, like a center of gravity. Bikes for kids and bourbon for adults show up in my house yeah. or in my garage. And it's pretty phenomenal. That's <laughs> awesome. It took me a long time to build this, so now I'm reaping the rewards. <laughs> He's been selling them on eBay. It's terrible. <laughs> so if you've been to his house, just check that it's still there, the bottle. Like, oh, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Don't turn me in. Uh, so you've given us a lot to be afraid of right now. Mm. Um, thank you. Uh, Jonathan, <laughs> we wanted to ask the TBD question of the day, which is the Beatitudes question of the day. Yeah. This goes for all four of us to ask, and so I'll give you a second to think while the guys jump in here, the dudes. Um, our question today is, what prayer has recently been answered for you? So do either one of you want to jump in for that one? Yeah, I'm happy to. Yeah. Um, just in the season of life where we're at in our family, uh, wife, two daughters, age three and one, for those that don't know me and are tuning in, and... It's been a prayer on our minds of like when to like start thinking about 
growing the family or not. And we haven't forced any, you know, pushed anything or forced anything. We're not pregnant. I'm not announcing that, but, <laughs> uh, just, just living. It, it's, it's one of those like kind of silent and more like in the void, there's an answer kind yeah. of things. Like we're just loving this season and not forcing like, Oh, we, you know, got to, Got to gotta get on number three because Jeff's on number seven. And we got to <laughs> <laughs> so Com- catch up. Bourbon. So it's not, it's not one specific thing, but just finding a lot of joy and peace in the moment. It's wild, too, because I see that joy and peace in you working alongside you because even yesterday you were leaving the office and you came back and said, hey, I appreciate you. And I think that's such a powerful thing, but it also comes from a place of joy and peace. So it's shining through, my friend. Cool. Yeah, that's good. I could jump in here with um, – so I, I – you guys know, but um, I don't know if everybody out there knows, but I put together a short film. Um, it's awesome. Oh, thank you. Yeah, no, produced it, wrote, wrote directed, and produced. Um, I wrote it back in, gosh, 2020, but then, of course, you know, the wheels came off, as we all know, of the of the world, and so didn't get to produce it until 2022. Had, had a lot of help, obviously. I'm not trying to claim all of the, the credit there, co-producer and all kinds of things there, but we, we made the movie. I submitted it to a festival didn't get in and and I just fell into a, a kind of a deep discouragement because I just felt like everything else was aligning with it. And it was, I mean, there was even some weird pushback happening because the first day of our shooting, just like everything fell apart. And so we lost almost an entire day of the three days. I mean, we only had three scheduled and anyway, so we were able to pull it off though. And then just recently, um, so I've, I've submitted to a bunch of other festivals since then, but it took me took me a while to get over kind of that initial disappointment of thinking that I was I was making it for this festival and I had been in the festival as an actor before and so now of course it was going to get accepted and then it didn't so that initial disappointment overcoming that and then submitting getting rejected by multiple other festivals and then finally uh just recently is just like as if now is the is the appointed moment um, for such a time but, as this yeah, yeah. <laughs> the time is now yeah <laughs> Uh, but now, now I'm in a, a festival that's uh, later in September and a festival that's later in October. Um, yeah, thanks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and, and it was crazy to receive the email for the one in October that said uh, we had 1,500 submissions and y'all, your your film. I mean, and I yeah. know they send yeah. that to everybody accepted, but it's like out of 1,500 submissions. Accepted. Yeah, it was. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, that's so it's awesome. huge. It's been a more encouraging Sorry. period of time. The name of the film so people know if they are at a festival. Together. Together. It's awesome. Yeah, it's really good. good. Uh, I mentioned my garage a minute ago. Um, I was, you know, switching out the baby stuff because that's what I do. It just kind of goes in this big circle in my house. And I was putting up this whatever car seat. And my garage is obnoxiously tall and unusable because why do you do a space that's that high in the air? So I had these shelves built by a, a carpenter. I've been using them since we moved in five years ago. And I'm putting it up there and I can see that the shelf looks like it's coming away from the wall. And that thing's pretty heavy. And I put it up there and I kind of pull on it. And I'm like, all right, at some point I got to take all this stuff down and come up with a better plan. That was it. Mm-hmm. So I stopped and I was like, God, please don't let this fall on my kids. The wood alone would hurt me. All the other stuff on there is like pictures and videos. Like, but I don't know like what, how this was constructed. And no joke, I heard something on Sunday night just a couple nights ago. I thought it was a kid crying in the middle of the night. Get up, don't do anything about it. In the morning I go and open my garage and there is shattered wood and boxes and kid stuff everywhere and everything on the ground's got like been mangled this thing fell from you know it's like seven to 12 feet in the air this shelf and the wood alone i could not pick up hardly 
with all the nails and screws sticking out to get it out to the driveway. And I said, Amanda, come out to the, to the garage. And she looked and I said, I want to stop to stop for a moment. I think our guardian angel yanked this down last night because my kids play in that garage all the time. Mm. And this, so now nobody's allowed in the garage. I'm taking them all down um, over this upcoming weekend, but I'm not mad. I'm not even mad about the construction or any of that stuff. I am just so grateful that this is how this thing came down and when it came down. So answer prayer big time. So good. Yeah. What do you got? You got any answered prayers recently? Yeah, I keep. Uh, and, and the Beatitudes we all know about. So this is one. What's the others? Yeah, well, <laughs> on my father's death, but he said, you've got to get on the Beatitudes. <laughs> <laughs> I looked at him and said, Dad. <laughs> Here I am, answered Dad. Answered prayers. <laughs> no, look, I, I would go, um, I'd go light and airy uh, and just say that I, <laughs> uh, no, no, I'm not going to go light and airy. <laughs> I you know, I had a I come from a, a background of, of, of major trauma and craziness as a, as a young person and and so the the real change that's happened for me over the last kind of few years has been a gradual grace to finally relax into the provision of God in a way that I've never been able to do in my entire life and it's it's really transformed. Pretty much everything. So my death grip on life has been um, released, and I would like to say that was through my own, you know, coming to that through my own brilliance and, and <laughs> intelligence. <laughs> no, just enormous amounts of suffering, and um, and has led me to this place where I'm really grateful that God has finally helped me to just to just uh, this weird balance between doing what He gives you to do and the gifts that you have, and just relaxing into his provision and uh it's not something i grew up with and it's not something i was ever be able to do it myself so it's and it's a very powerful thing so that's probably the biggest answer to prayer and one that i hope to keep leaning into wow to be refined through fire i love it amen well thanks for sharing that i do think that if we ever do the offshoot of the beatitudes australia that uh you should put in an application i think you got a shot uh. I just, I'm not fit to untie the sandals of, 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 <laughs> <laughs> of the Beatitudes crew. Well, we need, wow. We, we need that other side of the world just to keep it going 24 hours a day, should, right? right? Should I shave on my neck tattoo for Beatitudes? <laughs> so like, that's what I had to do to get on the show. Beat tattoo on my back. It's terrible. It's all right. Yeah. Go to YouTube.com <laughs> slash at the underscore Beatitudes to see the tattoo. Slash Beatitat. Betatitudes. Betatitudes. <laughs> Nick, come on. You drilled it, as Nailed. they say yes. in Australia. Scored on goal. It's good. You screwed There's it in. I don't know what they say. Okay, so it. speaking of what they say in Australia, I we want to play a game to finish All out right. today, but you're the game master. Yeah, look out. Yeah, Pow. so we're going to put Mwah. this on you. So this is a little bit of like a, uh, a cultural crossover. You, uh, in hanging out with me, have already pinged a few of these. It's the Do You Speak Australian game where you're going to present us with either <laughs> words, phrases, idioms, mm. uh, things that you would say, and we have to say whether or not that's something that we say. And feel free to use the ones that you stumped me and my wife on okay. earlier, and yeah. I'll just recuse myself from yeah. ones I've already learned. But do you got any for us? Yeah, I do. I prepared a little list before while I was... Uh, right, don't be looking, while Nicholas. I was, while I was sitting in the... Um, in the, in the green room. You should see the green room here. It's like all of the M&Ms have been separated into different bowls. It's like, and Mariah Carey was there and I said to her, I said, look at that. And she said, I know, it's amazing. All right. So She's on are, a later episode. Yeah. Um, much, much later. <laughs> <laughs> so do you ever say going off like a frog in a sock? <laughs> no, but I want to now. Uh, 
Go you know, off like a frog in a sock. You know Can I try to use that in a sentence? Yeah, no, that's, this is a good one. Like, oh, yeah, so my wife, I said, I thought we were going to have groceries here, and there's there's laundry everywhere, and she started going off like a frog in a sock. No. Oh. No. We were at work the other day, and uh, I was trying to get Jeff's attention, but he was just going off like a frog in a sock. Mm. Work ethic there. It's close. <laughs> we're close, but no cigar. I was, uh, I was out... Um, trying to catch amphibious animals <laughs> with with footwear and it was going off like a frog in a sock. Just Nailed missed it. by this much. So the correct deployment of such a term would be, for example, if you went to say like a Red Hot Chili Peppers concert and someone said to you, how was it? You said, man, that place was going off like a frog in a sock. Because <laughs> seriously, if you get a frog and you chuck it in the sock, oh, yeah. it doesn't like it. <laughs> Just, I mean, I don't think any animal would, but yeah. frogs seem to take a, a distinct displeasure to it. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, uh, I hope this show that goes off so like that a means, frog. Yeah, it's, good. it's yeah. going off good. Um, yeah. What else we got? Um, uh, a few kangaroos short in the top paddock. <laughs> a few so, kangaroos uh, short in the top paddock. Uh, you know, my, my uncle, he didn't understand anything I said about it. He's a few kangaroos short in the top paddock. Yeah, you know it. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. easy. Um, Wait, Paul, what happened to your uncle? <laughs> <laughs> that was not a specific reference. I, <laughs> just to be clear. It's like saying a few screws are loose. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you ever say um, mad as a cut snake? Mad as a cut snake? Yeah. Mad as a cut mm. snake. Mm. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> There's not that many snakes. Here. Yeah, we uh, yeah we have most of we, them. We have yeah. some in Texas, but yeah. not nearly as many as you uh, guys. So so, a mad as a cut snake is simply somebody who was angry. Is like see in Australia, most people try to catch or kill snakes, which is yeah. the way we all get bitten, and <laughs> sure. and, and die horribly. And uh, but so people will go after them with a shovel or something, and they'll nick them, ah. right? Or they'll they'll, yep. they'll 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 get them, and so then they get crazy. So they, they'll, they'll go for you. So they've been cut. So it's mad as a cut snake. So somebody's really angry, yeah. they're mad as a cut snake. All right. Man, I feel like you should be tracking that cut snake and finishing it off. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like some crazy stat, like 80% of snake bites happen from people trying to catch or kill them. Wow. Yeah. Makes you're a lot off. of sense. You're better off. If you see one like near your house, you're better off going, hey, come in. We got some, we got some muffins here. Just like come and relax. Like we got some muffins in the paddock. <laughs> That's right. You just don't want to mess with them. Uh, one of my personal favorites is. Um, He's done the Herald. He's down the Herald? No, he's done. done. He's done the he's Herald. He's done the Herald. Oh, this is after a guy gets off stage. He's been doing some acapella work. No, no. Actually, in improv, we have something called the, the Herald. Herald. Yeah, yeah, but that is no, that. It's Herald. 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 H-A-R. Yeah, yeah, H-A-R. So he's done the Herald. This is a good one. This has got a backstory, too. I was going to say, who's Herald? Who's the famous yeah. Herald that's oh, done something wrong? the guy with the top hat? Yeah. No. Like, it, a ben, like a Benedict Arnold or is something. Is it somebody like who's, no. is it like running the gauntlet or whatever? Like they've done everything? No. The oh. guy who, who went against his own country. No. You're right. Uh, well, no, no. So, okay, here's, here it is, right? So we had a prime minister, true story, called Harold Holt. And I think it's the 1960s. He went swimming at Portsea Beach, which is a beach near Melbourne, Australia. And he disappeared. There's heavy surf. He was never found. Prime Minister, right? Like it's like losing your sort of like losing your president. People had all these ideas that he'd been met a Chinese sub offshore, or whatever. But it was big surf. So his name, his last name was Holt, Harold Holt. And in Australia, to do the bolt is to run away or to run off. Mm -hmm. You do the bolt, you run off. 
So it became rhyming slang, which was to do the Harold Holt, which became known as doing the Harold. So someone runs off, disappears, vanishes, they've done the Harold. Oh. Can you say that like you started dating a girl and then she's not around and she did the Harold? You could say that. Like she ghosted you, yeah, but it's kind of that. Yeah, done. The best example ever was when my son was young, he had to get an injection for something, like some infection or something. And he was very little and he didn't want to do it. And so he took off through a car park. He's about three, just racing through a car park. And he's screaming, I'm doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing that. And what is a car park? Uh, you don't have them here? You do. Well, we, I think we oh. call them parking garages. Oh, okay. Got it. And you have, tr- you have trash here too. We don't have trash. Yeah, you have, um, no, wait, what, what do you call them? Rubbish. Rubbish. Yeah, I was trying to get there. I was like, it's not garbage. Rubbish, right? Yeah, rubbish. Where's the bin? Yeah. Where's the bin? Yeah, yeah. and then uh, you don't have friends, but you have mates. You have mates. Yeah, you have friends too. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, yeah. Inner circle, mates. Do you say, um, in response to a question, do you ever say, does a one-legged duck swim in circles? We do. do. Say, yeah. <laughs> we do. You know that. So that's us. There's a couple um, of those. Yeah. <laughs> and what else we got? Uh, give us a bow peep. <laughs> you don't have that, that that sounds like you better just explain this one so we don't start explaining what we it, think it you're just saying mean, it just, <laughs> just means give us a look just like oh. look over so like, like give us a bow peep, peep. Like, peep yeah, yeah like a play on words yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, Chuck a Yui, Chuck a Yui. Is that where you just like are flip you a Yui? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I thought it's where you make a child's doll do something very scary. No, no. head Chucky. spins around. No, <laughs> oh, Chucky. Chucky Yui, um, get out of here. <laughs> and probably the last one is: Do you ever say it's chockers? Chockers. Chockers. Ch- chockers. Yeah. Chockers. Yeah. So like, if you walked into a bar and you said, "Man, this place is chockers. It's going off like a frog in a sock." <laughs> oh, that, it's that good. Chockers is full. Busy. Oh, full. Packed. Ah, busy. Packed. Oh. Yeah. Ch- like, it's chock full. Jonathan, yeah. I one time got back from the bar. We were down in College Station where I went to school. I was uh, an adult at this point. And somebody said, how was it? And I said, it was hot, loud, and full of men. Three things I can't stand in a bar. Would, I said that it was chockers. Chockers. <laughs> it was going off like a frog in a sock. Frog in a sock. That's the one I'm taking but away. Frog yeah. in a sock generally is a good connotation or neutral? You, you, it would have two connotations. One is it's awesome. Like yeah. it was just the vibe yeah. was pumping. Yeah. Um, or you could have somebody really losing their temper. Mm. You could mm. say they were going off like a frog in a sock. So it's just how you say it. Yeah. yeah. Context. Yeah. It's context. Yeah. Yeah, it's rich context based sure. idiom. Yeah. I feel like the whole world just got smarter and our viewership which we had a few in australia before you got here has mm. skyrocketed because of this show yeah. so thanks, thank you for thanks, that mom yes <laughs> exactly it's up hundreds of percent yeah yes, yes. <laughs> all four australians are now watching we got yeah. them all so uh we are so happy to have you here we're going to be back with you on the bonus show which airs on friday if you're watching this on his debut day um we are going to have some more incredible talk, and I think we're we're going to go a little bit deeper into the church in Australia and yeah. faith and start doing some of that comparison on the bonus. So until we see you on the bonus, we will see, see you, you in the Eucharist. Eucharist. God bless. Thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to join us at our undersized table, subscribe to the video version of the show on YouTube by typing at, that's the symbol at, so shift and two on your keyboard, at the underscore Beatitudes on YouTube. We'll see you there. This podcast is part of the Spoke Street Network. For more great podcasts, visit Spokestreet.com.